0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's a Friday morning. Do you remember a time, a crazy time, three weeks ago? When we celebrated Friday mornings, the end of the work week. And I guess some of you are still going into work, so maybe you still do, but for a lot of people now. either You're not working, you're not going to school, you are working, but you're working from home. For a lot of people, I think every day feels a lot like the one before. My schedule changes a little bit. I just, I don't know. Maybe that should be a, a question. We should throw up on Twitter. How much is, how much do you care about the end of the work week anymore? Has it really changed that much day to day anymore? Uh, what would we be talking about? You know, three weeks ago, if at life were still going at that pace, now we'd have Sweet Sixteen games. Half of them down, half of them to go tonight. Would we be talking about the Aggies of the Cougars in a Sweet Sixteen game? Maybe the Jazz in Dallas the start of the baseball season. there be a lot of uh, topics there. We talked to uh, Craig Bollerjack late in yesterday's show about the, uh, the Jazz and all that, and I want to play just a portion of the interview for you. There was a lot of stuff. You can go listen to it online everything's online, hour by hour, individual interviews, however you want to listen to it and consume it, you can go to 1280thezone.com. And uh, they're uh, whistling TV themes, uh, snow shoveling and neighbors. There are all kinds of crazy topics worked in. But I did read to Bowler a story that had broken on Yo- on Yahoo now 36 hours ago, but at that point 12 hours ago. And I read him the story to get his reaction about the game in Detroit three games before the end. It was Detroit, a home game, and then out on the road to Oklahoma City where everything stopped. And I read him a story about another person from that night testing positive. uh, Here, Bowler and I. Hey, Boulder, I want to bring it back before we let you go to the current day and just kind of get your reaction to this. You know, the, the Jazz Pistons game that was played right before the uh, everything came to a, a stop, Yahoo right. had a story last night. It's being picked up by other people this morning, but I think Yahoo had it first. I'm going to read it to you here, just the, the start of it. A camera operator who shot footage inside the Utah Jazz locker room after a March 7 game in Detroit is in a medically induced coma after being diagnosed with COVID-19, his friend said. The game was played just four days before the NBA suspended operations because of the coronavirus mm-hmm. pandemic. The man who is in his 50s has worked for years as part of the broadcast crews for NBA games at Little Caesars Arena, according to friends. That included the Jazz Piston game, where part of his assignment, according to coworkers, was filming post-game locker room interviews for the broadcast feed that went back to Utah. goes on. There's privacy concerns. They're not identifying. But that means at least four people we know of who were involved with putting that game on, not even taking it out to you know people who are attending as fans or that, have tested positive. And number one, I think it underlines why the league needed to stop the games. And two, you wonder how many more people there were. And obviously, three of the four people now we know about were in the Jazz locker room with two players in that. Just kind of your reaction when you hear that and and knowing that you interact with crew members all the time.
1: Oh, uh, you know, all the time. I mean, it it just, you know, you reading that story, i got to be totally honest. Uh, I'm still having issues of just, you know, getting some pops of chills and a little bit of like, wow, anxiety. I mean, I think that's just normal for all of us, and I hope people understand that. When you hear stories like this and headlines, sometimes I have to step back for a while and just let it go. But being so close to it in Oklahoma City, it's disturbing to hear, even as we turn the clock back to Detroit. Um, you know, I did not go in the locker room that night, and I usually do uh, road and home. Um, and that that is that shows you proximity, that the uh, – the doctors, the officials are talking about the proximity rule, I think comes really into play even more. So hearing that story about space, you know, what locker rooms are like guys, it's, it's crowded in most cases and you don't stand six feet away from one another. You're trying to grab a story and get in your microphone into, into a player's uh, area and and get, get what, what's going on. So, um, you know, my best to, to the camera operator, but I think it's another lesson of uh, just how serious the situation is, and to make sure, you know, you you give space to people right now. And I think the, the officials and the experts have proven that that six foot rule is pretty important. And uh, I just hope that better news is ahead, guys. I really do. And you got to stay positive. I'm trying to do that, and I think Jazz Nation. I hope you feel the same way. And you know, we, you know what I thought too, guys. We we get away from some of the struggles of the world and sports is such the release. And you know, this is the first time in, in my lifetime that sports has been taken away. Uh, that is our release from just our daily, you know, worries of, of, of the world. So it really kind of doubles down somewhat. And I, uh, I'm just saying, stay, stay the course. And I know we'll be back. I know the jazz and the NBA will be back. May not be as soon as we hope, but I, I know we'll play. And, and hopefully sooner than later. Um and that's, uh, that's kind of the way I'm living my life right now. A little uh, melancholy at times, but I think we're all in that.
0: All right, there's Craig Jack's reaction. Really happy he didn't go in the locker room that night, right? The more time you're around somebody, especially in close quarters, the more you're at risk for something serious happening. So it kind of underlines the whole social distancing thing right there. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we've got a couple things for you. We've got Joe Ingles coming up later in this hour. Had him on right at the end of the show yesterday in the 9 o'clock hour. Also had on Morgan Scally for you Ute football fans specifically, but I think college football fans in general because I think – a lot of what the Utes are doing, other teams, Cougars, Aggies, uh, whoever in the Pac-12 or Mountain West you follow a route for around the country, are probably doing a lot of the same things. I actually bring up with him something Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly said. And I don't think Morgan has any interaction with Brian Kelly. Uh, but it's interesting that their minds are going down the same path. So I think a lot of these issues span college football. Morgan Scali next. Stay with us.
2: From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, time to welcome in Morgan Scally, University of Utah Defensive Coordinator. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Morgan, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. For a guy who usually gets on a plane and flies back and forth to Texas to recruit a lot, that alone gives you just tons of time at work. What are you doing with all this time that's suddenly been freed up? <laughs> well...
3: We uh don't get, don't get us wrong there's a ton to do right now i can tell you that we're we're becoming better teachers better online teachers more creative with how we get our information to our players obviously um it's uh not a great time um and uh you know the biggest priority is is getting this virus knocked out but uh what it's doing is it's forcing us to to become better teachers Um, and uh, get to our players in a way that we haven't had to before.
4: So during this time, what can you do to help the players become better players?
3: Well, number one is checking in with them every day, making sure they're healthy, uh, making sure that everything is good at home. Uh, Some of them are, are, depending on what state they're in, uh, some are able to still go out. Uh, The the majority of them, um, for the most part, are are like we are, kind of just – sitting at home and, and uh, uh, waiting this thing out. So, I mean, for us, it's building our installation because we got three practices in in spring ball. We still have 12 to go. We still had a bunch of defense to install. So that installation now is through video. It's online. It's through video conferencing. It's through Google Classroom. Um, the NCAA is, is uh, allowing us, you know, right now at this time, eight hours um, that we can you know, uh, demand our guys watch film, uh, give us feedback. So, you know, right now we're just in a, in, a, in a period of time where a lot of our teaching is is online. It's through video conferencing, and uh, it's actually been pretty efficient for us.
0: So I assume you got everybody doing push-ups at home. Some guys, maybe they're lucky to have a treadmill or they can go outside, but I'm sure some guys don't have an option of either one of those things. Usually, I know you're you know how how much you do right now can really pay off later on, and obviously some of these guys can't do anything, so what do you tell them?
3: Well, I mean've we've, we, we've got missionaries right that, that have gone out, so we've had workout programs um, set up for for guys that have left on missions that don't have access to weight rooms and stuff like that, so that's not, not anything new for us. Um, you know we do have for guys that are are able to lift weights whether they have uh, a home you know uh, set or they're able to go to a friend's you know um we do have workouts that Doug Eliasia has sent out to them so um you know we we've had our conversations with them you know, it's it's people can take this situation and and uh, take this time and either um you know find a way to gain an advantage uh, or, you know, use as, as an excuse to sit home and uh, not, you know, put on the weight that they need to put on or lose the weight they need to lose. You know, guy, guys are, are pretty resilient, and, uh, you know, your fighters are going are gonna to take this time and, and gain the advantage.
4: So, in one of those three practices I talked to you uh, afterward, and you were talking about how you were going to have some guys coming in that weren't there yet, <clears throat> that we're going to get the opportunity to compete for jobs when we got to August. Now, assuming uh, that uh, this thing goes and you actually have an August training camp and all, who knows. But anyway, for the sake of discussion, go along that premise. What's going to happen that might be different from what you would normally do over the years to get these guys up to speed? Because not only are you are not just bringing in new guys and preparing for them Learning the system, but you're preparing for a schedule, and we know you got a difficult game right off the
3: bat. Yeah, it just accelerates that decision-making time in terms of who's going to play for you, who can play, who cannot play, and that's our job as coaches. And now we just got to make that decision sooner, depending on what happens. I mean, it's that's we're kind of playing the the role of a. You know, looking into the crystal ball and knowing what's going to happen, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, ultimately, the the safety of of our country and the world is, is is priority number one. But if that if we are able to have uh, you know continue spring ball, will we be able to do it in June? Uh, if we're going to be able to do it in June, can we add the players that have already graduated high school? These are, these are questions that are being discussed by the Pac-12 by Coach Whittingham and. And uh, our director of football operations on a weekly basis on on what we can and cannot do, what we can look forward to, and what their uh, what their plan is. So we don't know what the plan is, but whenever it is that we can get back uh, to, to doing things, uh, obviously, obviously, it's going to accelerate that decision making uh, for us. You know, and we have to do a great job of finding out during this time as guys are responding to us and and giving us feedback and we're learning how much uh, a kid can process, how much he can learn, Um, you know, we have to make the decision is who can do it mentally. Right. Um, So it just, it's a, it's a different dynamic that we haven't seen before.
0: Brian Kelly, Notre Dame coach uh, was on ESPN, did a long live interview on sports center. And one thing he talked about was that he really thought just picking round numbers and obviously not knowing what's going to happen over the next couple of months. But he thought that if the strength and conditioning guys could start working with the players June 1st, and if July 1st, you know, then – the football people could have maybe a little interaction with them all that. He thought then when camp starts in early August and the games in September, the guys could be ready and everything could be, go on track. But he thought that if those dates got pushed any further towards the season, the season would have to be impacted just because of the physical nature of the sport. Have you got kind of similar dates in mind when you talk as a staff and with your strength and conditioning guys and Kyle, obviously?
3: Yeah, I mean, very simi- similar. Obviously, July is, is uh, a period of time when our players are with the strength guys uh, anyway. And, uh, you know, we're not um, as involved in July. That would change, obviously. Um, what allowing us to resume spring practice in June would do, particularly if you're able to add your high school graduates, is that it gives, in my opinion, it's an added you know, advantage that they're getting more time with you um, than they would have uh, had things been, you know, status quo, right? If you'd gone through your entire 15 practices of spring ball without those guys, that's a ton of reps, accumulated reps, they would not have seen. So depending on what happens and, and uh, how the NCAA chooses to, um, to work this thing out, it could end up being an advantage for a team like us who has a bunch of young guys that will probably be impact players for us.
4: Yeah, how about if this would have been last year? Would you feel a little more at ease? Because last year, particularly on your side of the ball, man, you just had about as few questions as you might ever have in your entire coaching career.
3: We Yeah, I mean, obviously, we had a bunch of returning starters. Uh, the question marks were at,
1: um,
3: you know, the DB spot. Um, we we knew what we had in, in Julian Blackman in terms of an athlete, but, um, you know, Julian, the, the safety spot was still to be determined. The uh, corner opposite Jalen Johnson was still to be determined. And then the linebacker playing next to Francis Bernard and the depth there, so we still had some things to work out, but definitely not close to what we're dealing with this year, uh, with only two returning starters.
0: Morgan Scally, Utah defensive coordinator, joining us. I'm wondering if uh, you know things have been changing so quickly with technology, and then obviously this year is just wildly different. Is this going to impact the way recruiting's done in the long run? Do you think we're going to see a uh, maybe more reliance going forward on uh, FaceTiming and all the technology that's available and maybe restrict the dates when guys are flying around the country a little bit? Don't know what's going to
3: change, but I do know, I I mean, you have events that happen and it forces you to do things that you may not have been comfortable doing. But now that you're doing it, it it becomes... uh, you know something that you feels better, and you can continue to do it for, from here on out. I can tell you, with uh, the the Google Classroom and some of the stuff that that we're doing, that we're being forced to, to learn and grow from, um, is going to be a huge benefit for us going forward. You know, and, and times like this, you either adapt and, and, and you get creative and find a way to get better. Or you just sit there and mope and, and complain, and <laughs> that's just not who we are. So um, I think throughout history, you, you, there's, there's things that happen that force you to, to look at things in a different manner, that force you to adapt and change, and, and a lot of it for the better, right? So this is just one of those times um, that is making us uh, you know, take our teaching to another level and, uh, you know, we can really benefit from it.
4: or as adapt and continuing to get better, and I know most programs are always in evaluation mode, how can we do whatever we do better and all that stuff and more efficient. And so my thought for you is defensively the last couple of years, the team has been really good, but yet the last two games, now you played in, this, in the conference title game both years, so in that game and then in the bowl game, uh, the defense wasn't as good as it had been in the regular seasons, uh, both years. Did you learn anything from any of that to be able to apply going forward to make sure the defense can continue to play at a high level? If you should have a a thirteenth and a fourteenth
3: game, well, I think you know the the year prior the the. Uh... You know the the game. We didn't even give up a touchdown. So I don't know. Yeah, that um, game for sure. You know that. I thought our guys played well. I thought you know in the in the uh, two games, the last two games this season, uh, both were you know they're different types of you know why you lost. You know when you look at it from a defensive perspective. If we looked at you know the the Oregon game. There's a lot of things that come into play. It's not just cut and dry. This is why we lost. This, you know, you know, this was the call. This was the the reason. There's a lot of different things. Number one, Oregon um, did some good things schematically. Uh, Oregon has very good football players. That offensive line is the best, at least that we had seen all season long, and perhaps one of the best in the country. When you look at who, which of those guys is going to go to the NFL, and then we had the The uh, top offensive lineman in the country. The quarterback's uh, a day one or day two guy. They did. They had some good players that came ready to play. Uh, I felt like our guys came ready to play. They were excited uh, for this game, Uh, and uh, I think you know a lot of it was. I felt like. Looking back at the film, guys were just trying to do too much they were they wanted to make the play they wanted to be and so you end up popping gaps you end up coming down out of coverage, doing things that you don't normally do so you know that was there's kind of a a couple of reasons for what happened against oregon uh and we take full ownership of that as coaches we We got to make sure they're ready every single game uh and we looked at the film looked at how to how to address you know what the issues were. And uh, you know, in the in the bowl game, you know, uh, different story. Not guys necessarily trying to do too much. Um, Texas again did some good things. Um, you know, schematically, um, forced our edge players to to play more physical football. Didn't do much in terms of running uh, up the middle. Uh, got us on the edges. And uh, you know, to to me. Um, there were some things schematically that we could have done to help our guys out. Uh, and again, you're, you know, injuries are never an excuse. But you're 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 down Jalen Johnson, you're one of your top corners. You're down your two free safeties. A guy injured in the bowl game. So um, thing, things things happened where, where depth was was an issue for us a little bit. But uh, kind of two different reasons as to, as to, you know, why we weren't as efficient defensively in those two games. And uh, we have. We've looked at uh, – you try and say, okay, let's, let's put those things away. But, no, we've looked at those games numerous times to figure out, you know, where were we wrong, where can we improve, and we feel like, uh, you know, we feel like we've got some answers for our guys.
0: Morgan Scalley, Utah defensive coordinator, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've seen the stories about so many missionaries coming back early. Is that impacting the football program? Are some of your players, or prospective players, uh, caught up in that?
3: Well, it, it may very well. It just depends on whether or, not, whether or not they're going to send those missionaries back out. Now, the NCAA is going to have to uh, have an answer for us in terms of whether or not we can initialize those those missionaries once they come back uh, you know because we allot their, their scholarship allotment is for uh, when they come back but if that mission's cut short and they're um, you know supposed to join us this year then we have to find a scholarship for them and the NCAA has to have an answer for us
4: looks like Devin Lloyd is set up to be your next great linebacker coming out of Utah who else you got there as far as being able to play to compliment him
3: well, you know the the guys that were emerging. Andrew Mataafa has been in the program for a while. You know he's a guy that has struggled to gain weight and keep it on consistently, but that when he does, he's an athlete and he's a guy that can that can definitely help us out. We moved Nephi Sewell, who is a very instinctive football player, uh, much like Sunia Tautioli, who played some some very good football for us a few years back. He's not long levered but he is physical and instinctive and a smart football player. Um, other than that, you know, Hayden Fury is a, is a walk-on here from Utah that, uh, you know, showed flashes last year. We never played him, uh, but for a few reps. And this guy, you know, we're, we're fired up about. So he's a guy that, that may end up earning himself a scholarship down the line. And then we've got some some newcomers, some young kids um, you know, uh, Graham Faluna, we've got uh, Jeremy Mercer is uh, a linebacker, junior college transfer. Uh, Sione Foto, uh a local product out of Bingham High School. So, again, you know, I know we've, we've talked about this numerous times, but we're going to have to have some young kids uh, be impact players for us. And when they get there and when they get, there, or when they get here, uh, they'll be ready because of the stuff that we've been, uh, you know, uh, preparing for them.
0: It seems like your linebacking play has been improving. There have been more uh, impact plays that fans and the media would notice. Maybe you would grade it out differently, play by play by play, knowing every little thing you've got to look for. Uh, but it seems like it's been improving over the last two to three to four years. And I'm wondering, with all the success you've had with defensive linemen, are you starting to get into homes that you didn't used to get into because linebackers want to play
3: behind those defensive linemen? Well, um... Oh, that's a good question. I I know we've each situation's been different. You know, uh, Cody Cody Barton, who's obviously a, a, was a draft pick for Seattle, he he didn't really blossom until his last year. Since Hansen was moved from quarterback to safety to linebacker, um, you know, before them you had Johnny Paul and Jared Norris, um, and uh, you know. Francis Bernard being a transfer. I don't know that we've had a kind of normal flow of how guys have gotten to that position for us. Uh, what, what is um, obvious is that you're right with the defensive linemen that we have. You think it'd be a position that people would love to come into. Uh, we've used that, you know, to our advantage in the, in the recruiting process. We do believe it's, it's a great opportunity for young men um, we've just had the fortune the past few years of getting some really good football players in those positions. Good players make good coaches, guys, okay? <laughs> I don't know we have said that before, but, uh, you know, whatever we can do in the recruiting process to, uh, you know, a- advertise the benefit of playing behind some very good D linemen, we-, we do it. We use it.
4: You going still be concentrating on the safeties as an individual group, knowing that you're the coordinator?
3: Say that one more time.
4: You're the coordinator, right? So you're responsible for everything. But when, whenever that might be, when you get back together, are you going to be still focusing in individually on the safeties?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I have my individual meetings with the safeties. Continue to stay in contact. That's that's my position group. I'm I'm, you know, I oversee them obviously, and then I also have the added responsibilities of making sure that the rest of the coaches are are doing their job and and making sure they're teaching correctly and teaching how we want them to teach Uh, we've got unbelievable coaches in in Lewis Powell and Sioni Puha, Swan at the linebacker spot did an incredible job last year of getting our guys to come along and then uh, Sharif Shah is invaluable so got some dang good coaches that allow me to do that
4: the reason why I ask is there could very well be you start uh, a couple of safeties who've never played for you guys before is that accurate
3: Accurate. Vontae Davis is a guy through three practices had really shown incredible improvement. Uh, You know, has the athleticism, um, and uh, you know he's now with uh, Terrell and Julian out of the out of the picture, moving on. He's just got an added sense of, of want to. And so he had three very good practices, had some time last year, not significant, but a guy that's been in our program that uh, would not necessarily be new, but new to a ton of game action, live action. So, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a young secondary, no matter how you cut it.
0: Morgan, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. And remember, if you're ever not in charge of safeties, you've got to change the Twitter handle, Safety Pride. So keep an eye. I on get that it. Right. I get it. Right, Morgan. Thanks Appreciate for a few minutes, you guys. Yeah. Thank you. There's Utah defensive coordinator Morgan Scally. When we come back, Joe Engel. Stay with us. Take the zone
2: with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. This is The Joe Ingalls Show with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
0: The Joe Ingle Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Time to welcome in Joe Ingalls. Joe, good morning.
5: Good morning
0: get right to the important stuff how many cups of coffee are you into the day already this seems to be a debate on social media just two
5: yeah what time is it 9 9.05 it's gonna be a long day
4: (laughs) what I want to know Joe is how are Renee and the kids doing
5: who did you say I couldn't understand yes you did
4: Renee and the kids (laughs)
5: Um, they're doing good Um, we are currently day 14 of our quarantine so like the last I think tonight is the official end of our um, obviously not much changes anyway Um, but tonight it's kind of the official official day so um, yeah I mean it's been a long 14 days Um, I think the first probably Seven to 10 for me were, were pretty cool. Um, just being able to obviously be around the kids more and Renee more and actually just be home and um, be here in the mornings and to put them to bed every night. Um, Something that I don't usually get to do. So um, they were they were really good and then obviously, especially now with the weather and stuff, it, uh, it makes it a bit harder to get
4: outside and,
5: and kind of do anything. So. Um, just trying to find ways each day to, to entertain the kids.
4: So, so cool that she's growing up with an American accent. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha,
5: ha. <laughs> she is. It's horrible. I can hear her <laughs> out the, the room that I'm in, and it makes me sick listening.
0: So what is it? I saw that on Twitter. I thought, well, we're definitely going to talk about this. So what exactly does she sound like? And what should she sound like,
5: according to you? <laughs> I can, <laughs> I should get her to come and say some words. Um, no, I think it's just. Um, I mean, she just says says a lot of word. I guess words um, that. I mean, she goes. She obviously for people that don't know, she's a um, a pre K or whatever you call her here. So she's around whatever fifteen American kids every day, and then the teachers are American and. Obviously, me and Renee are kind of the only two Australians that she's with 24-7, and she speaks to family back home on, on the phone and stuff, but um, she's just getting very... Uh, some Just some of her words and stuff are very American. You can, you can... Like, if you had your eyes closed, you would think that it's a little American kid speaking, um, which I don't like because she's Australian. So um, we'll keep trying to correct her, but... Um, think it's inevitable that she's going to sound a bit more American than Australian by the time we go.
0: That can never be fixed, by the way. I can tell you this right now. My wife has a college roommate who grew up in no, no, Bakersfield, California, fixed. and <laughs> is, is American. And she goes to Australia, and we talk to her on the phone now, and she sounds Australian. And my wife said that to her. And she burst out laughing because even now, and she's lived in Australia for, I'm trying to think how long, 30 years? Uh, Even now, people tell her she sounds
5: like an American. I don't care what I have to do if Miller has to go to a special Australian language learning center. In fact, when we move back, she's going to be sound Australian by the time we are home. Mm.
4: Sorry, Joe. We pledge allegiance to the United States of America.
5: Oh, <laughs> uh, It's been good to me. I can't complain too much.
4: <laughs> I want to know, are you getting up any shots?
5: No, I haven't touched the ball. No, I you mean, concerned? no one has. <laughs> um, I would be for some other people. I'm not for myself. Um, no, I mean, it's it is literally nothing we can do. Um where obviously all, all NBA facilities have, have been shut down or whatever or locked down or whatever you want to call it. And um, I said it the other day, on whoever I was talking to, it's one of those, I mean, how many out of the 450 players, like how many players have a court in their house? Probably maybe a handful, maybe five, maybe 10 max. Um, like I said, everything's closed down. We're, we're technically not allowed to leave. Um, kind of until today. Um, So, obviously going to a a gym that's got a court in it isn't um, really responsible either Um, with all the people around and basically like I said, everything's kind of shut down. So we're very lucky that we've got, we've always had a gym at home with, with everything I need in terms of that side of things. We've got weights and bike and treadmill and squat rack and everything that we need. Um, but in terms of basketball, there's there's nothing anyone can do unless you've got a, a court at your house.
0: So, what percentage of NBA players do you think have the treadmill and the bike and the squat rack and the weights?
5: Well, that's a, that's the hard thing too is that um, a, a lot of guys in the NBA live in apartment buildings, and I don't know if it's the same for every team, but definitely if you've been on a team where someone's tested positive, you're not allowed to obviously go around to, to where other people are. You're not allowed to be surrounded by people, so. There's guys in our team that live in apartment buildings that aren't allowed to use the gym in their building Um, kind of up until today or tomorrow, whatever the official day is. Today or tomorrow is our 14 days. But even then, obviously, you want to stay safe. So staying away from people or use it, obviously making sure they wipe it down and and are kind of by themselves. So um, the Jazz has done a great job of, of dropping... Every a lot of things at people's houses, so our, our weight room would probably be empty at the facility because they've um, trying to make it as easy as people uh, easy for people to work out as possible by having as much at, at their house that they have. But I'm sure there's a large number of NBA players that have gyms at their house. Um, Courts is another story, and and then obviously there's a the, the, probably a, a big handful that live in apartment buildings as well.
4: So whenever the league starts. Uh, let's just randomly pick a day, say June 15th, how long do you think you teams and guys would need in terms of getting back together before you actually play a game?
5: No, it's probably a better question for professionals, but um, I guess a part of it depends how long we are, are, are out for and sitting out waiting. Uh, as much as... Like there's no one, no one's going to sit here and tell, like say that running on a treadmill is going to emulate playing a game. So no matter what people are doing, and like I said, unless you've got a core and it's a full core and you've got ten non-positive guys you can play with as well, um, you can't really emulate the the fitness that we have during a game. So um, I mean, the the rumor and talk around the, the world and the league is that when we if if we do go back and and hopefully win, Um, There'll be like a little mini training camp. So I don't know if that would be four or five days, maybe a game or two. Um, Kind of like, I don't know if it would be like a preseason or you play against someone. I don't don't know what they would do, but um, I mean, they have to give us a little bit of time because depending on um, how long this break is, um, I mean, guys are going to need to come back and and obviously get in basketball shape, um, not just running on a treadmill or riding a bike.
0: Joe Ingalls joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I think I know the answer to this question, but you've probably got a phone numbers for a lot of international guys in your phone. Maybe you've been texting with teammates, former teammates, all the guys you play with in Australia and guys you get to know. The foreign players are all staying in the U.S., aren't they? Because they've started letting players go home. That means one thing to a U.S. player and something else to someone from Australia or Europe.
5: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to throw names out there, but I know a couple foreigners that have gone um that are uh, back in their their home countries but um i think that just i mean we yeah i think everyone's in a, a different situation and if you're single and got nothing in whatever city you're in then the, the chance to go home and, and be with your friends or family is is um i think is great if you've got the opportunity as long as you obviously can get if, if we end up starting again you can get back and um be back in time and obviously safely traveling and all that. So, um, I mean, we've debated whether we go home or not. Um, the hard part for us, obviously, is you, you've got kids involved too. So traveling with kids at this time is um, probably not the safest thing. Um, and to, to kind of stay put and the kids are comfortable in the house. Um, and then the other flip side is if we did go home, we could get called right back, or we don't. We have no heads up or anything of what's going on, time frame wise, in terms of if if or when we go back. So I, I wouldn't want to land in Australia and then find out three days later the, the season's starting back up or something. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't blame people for wanting to go home, especially being around friends and family this time. where you see what's going on in the world, and I mean, yesterday what Towns, the video Towns put out. Um, it's pretty emotional stuff, so um, I don't blame people for wanting to be around family at all.
4: You did a podcast with uh, Sam Amick, and I was listening to it. Could you repeat what you said about relationships on the team?
5: Uh, What did I say?
4: Oh, just how you thought that everything would be okay, I guess. I could read it to you if you want,
3: but uh, (laughs) I just thought you could Um, could
5: repeat it. No, I, I mean, yeah, I yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of um, I don't even know what you call them, rumours or talk or whatever on social media, and um, I mean, we've been known around the league for having great chemistry, and like I did say on that thing, I believe our team still has that chemistry. I think well, we all. The, the, the hard part is too is just not knowing when well, we're all getting back together. It's we've we've always had a close team. Um, I believe we always. Um, we always will because of the, the people that the Millers and Dennis and Justin and Quinn and stuff bring in. Um, they, they, they go after high-character guys. And I like I said, I have no doubt when we get back to work and we're allowed to do all that, everything will be fine and people would have forgotten about um, the, the talk going on. I think a lot of it, there's just nothing to talk about. So anything that, that happens is a, is a pretty big deal at the moment.
0: I don't know if you saw the story that came out on Yahoo uh, just in the last uh, 12 hours or so, but the cameraman on the broadcast who came in and did post-game interviews in your locker room in Detroit is now in a medically induced coma, which means that that means there, you know two players have tested positive from that locker room, a cameraman, a player on the opposing team. Does that just underline? To you, how important social distancing was. That game was four days before the league shut down.
5: Yeah, I think well, that was our. So we we played that game right, and then we came home and mm-hmm. played uh one game, Toronto, and then went to OKC. So it's a. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, you you put your your prayers and thinking about him and his family because, it's, yeah. um, like I said about towns, like it's something that um, people need to take this serious and it's something that, um, I mean, I'm, I'm taking very serious and I, I said it on the podcast yesterday or whatever day it was with the sand that it's like, oh, I, I feel even, um, I guess more threatened or whatever by this virus because of, of Jacob and his, um, his autism and his immune system and, um, it's just a, it's a scary thing and people, um, I don't know. I think people, I think people are taking it serious. But I think when you hear stories like this and and what Towns did with his video yesterday, as hard as that would have been for him to put that out there and let people know that um, this is obviously we know the numbers of of deaths and stuff is it's it's scary. So uh, I think people need to to do whatever their um, their state or or whatever their goal or whatever the rules are where they are. I don't even really know where we're up to in Utah in terms of, like, a a Salt Lake City lockdown or anything, but I've left the house since I've been here. I've left twice, and it was both been in the car just to to get out and drive for it, just to get out of the house. And um, To me, that's how how serious it is. The the kids haven't left. Um, Renee's left maybe once to to do the same thing, to, like, drive and get out of the house, but... um, yeah, we just we take it very serious, and obviously, like I said, because we've got um, Jacob involved in this, giving it to, to him would um, would just destroy me as as a as a dad. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'm taking it um, very very serious.
4: So the station that broadcasts the games, Joe, AT and T is replaying some of the better games, and I understand that they're replaying your gauze bandage slash headband game, so I'm going to make sure I watch that. Uh, what do you recall from that infamous game in which you just acted like the toughest of the toughest by just wrapping around a gauze bandage to just shut off the gushing blood and continue to play?
5: Um, I mean, I would honestly, I expect anyone to do the same thing, to be honest. It's, uh, it was... There, the, uh, honestly, the, the one thing I do remember, which um, was kind of towards the end of the game, was I can't remember if it was after I cut the cut my eye open or whatever it was, but I remember getting hit about fifteen times. Like I got hit in the face a couple of times. Then I, I think Gasol, Mark Gasol, went to double team me one time and like jumped to double team me and landed on like my shoulders and back, and it was right in front of the scores bench with a few sec, like thirty seconds to go or something. Then I said to Quinn, like, just take me out because I'm going to get hurt. Like, I've been, my eyes busted. I've been hit in the nose like three times. Marcus Old just like jumped and landed on my shoulders and he's not a, a small man. Um, and I remember looking at Quinn, like, just take me out. It was like 20, 30 seconds left. Um, but that's about it really. I and mean, yeah, my eye was good actually. I'm actually looking at myself in the mirror right now. My eye, they did a great job. The, uh, the team that put my, my eye back to
0: Every time I see even just a photo of you that, I'm reminded of an old Saturday Night Live skit, Head Wound Harry. I don't know if you ever saw that.
5: No, I'm too young.
0: <laughs> well, it's on YouTube, dude, and you're killing time on the road. So I have no idea what you've seen killing time. But the, uh, the dog comes in at the end and, and bites at the gauze bandage, and they had it, like, scented or something, it disgusted everybody. So look that up sometime when you're bored. Which apparently is. Oh, well, you know, I've got right plenty of five. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Joe, we appreciate a few minutes uh, as always. And uh, good luck with your daughter and the accent, man. That's you, You're going to have to invest a lot of
5: time in that. You might as well get going. I know. And our nanny's American, and it, there's just too many, too many Americans around, but we'll figure it out. All right.
0: There's Joe Ingalls. When we return, what is trending? All the headlines are coming up on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.